be with you under the name of the Lord Jesus today. Bless the name of the Lord. Before you take your seats, I just want to pray a prayer if I could. Kind, gracious, and loving Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for meeting us here. We thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the blessings and the mercy that you've shown us. But even more importantly than that, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this blessed salvation. We pray right now as we enter into these last moments of this service that you'll bless us, Lord. Bless every household, bless every purpose in this building. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, you throw down every stronghold that has raised itself up against us, Lord God. This is a spiritual battle, so we call for you, Lord God, to fight for us, Lord God. Go before us and do thy work thyself. Bless your people, Lord Jesus. Anoint them from their heads to the crown, to the sole of their feet, to the crown of their heads. Bless them as they go and come. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray, and amen. And amen, saints of God, and amen. And peace be unto you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I do extend peace and greetings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I do honor God's name, for he is worthy to be praised. I'm grateful for this salvation. Thankful for the love of God that he's shown us. Thankful for his blessings. You know, I thank God that he has, in this moment, really shown his salvation to us. It's for us now to take what the Lord has given us and to share it with the dying world. To share it for a world that is in darkness. To share it for a world that doesn't see what we see. There was a scripture that the minister read that I want to reread to you here. Um, in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we are yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Praise the Lord, saints. As I um, was listening to him read that scripture, I was um, derailed. I was completely undone. Because I realized what I was about to read actually was being superseded by what I was listening to here in Romans chapter 5. There's important parts in this that I need to kind of go back over because it was really, really important in this light of us speaking about grace of God. I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it. We couldn't be saved without grace. I don't care what you think you've got, how good you are, 
how saved you are, how strong you are, how righteous you are. You need grace. Like, the gap's too big. The debt and the hole is too large for you to get out of. The interest rate on what you owe. <laughs> the, you know what sin is like? It's like being caught in a predatory loan. Like a loan that's designed for you to the interest rate, it's a shark loan. Let me put it like that. You know, we heard about those loan sharks, right? You pay, they loan money from you, you loan money from them, and you are always paying it off. That's what sin is like. You've got into a hole and there's no way to pay this off. Hallelujah. But imagine now one man getting all the show locks, in, the loan sharks in one room and saying, I've paid the debt for all of them. <laughs> no more due to you. I've paid the debt. You are free and clear. Now, what I do with free and clear, I don't go back and start spending money with show loan shark. Like that would be crazy. Like, you got me out of debt. Like, you've paid my debt off. I don't have to have that guy come and threaten me in my life. Does that threaten to kill me every week if I don't come up with the right amount? I'm like out of it. And the very next week, the crazy thing for me to do would be go back and ask for more money. <laughs> I'm out of that. Don't have to pay him anymore. Don't have to have my life threatened. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid it off. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's why Romans says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why would you go back to it when he's paid off? Amen? Romans chapter 5 then. It says, therefore, being justified. What does being justified mean? Being made right. But let's look at how we are being made right. I need to kind of re-go back over this. Because... We have to understand that we honor God by living a life that is holy, like the song said, that is set aside, that's different to the world. They're living a life that pleases themselves. We are not living a life that pleases Him. We've got to figure out how to do that, but to be sure, that's not how we're justified. Our lives don't justify us. Something else does. The scripture tells us clearly, therefore, being justified by faith. We are justified in Romans chapter 5 by faith. That's what he's telling us. We get to this place of being good with God, of being okay with God, of being in a good relationship with God by faith. That should undo your notions that you've got there because you were really that just that good. That you got there because you were all of that, as they say. You didn't, you got there because you believed the message you heard from him. You got justified because you believed him when he said, I can save you. Said when, you, when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, we believed him. And we became justified by our belief. <laughs> we didn't just like, we didn't just do things and God said, yep, you're justified. No, we just simply believed his message. Hallelujah, glory to God. Therefore being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything but peace with God. I don't know what other condition you're thinking of, but I want to have peace with God. So now then I'm going to glorify not the parts of my person that I've disciplined, but I'm going to give thanks for the faith I have in him. We have peace with God through who? This is what the whole message for the last few weeks has been. We get grace 
And God has grace for us, but he's giving it us in a very specific way. He's giving it us through his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Only through his son, Jesus Christ. Like the scripture declares to of him in St. John chapter 1 that he is full of grace and truth. We also read last week that he has grace and it's a riches and abundant grace. Exceeding abundantly. Like as wealthy as you know what, what the Elon Musk is, like he has more money that he could spend in a thousand lifetimes. Like he couldn't, he couldn't figure out how to even, they talked about how he bought Twitter the other day and that he wasted his money. Well, he's got way more of it to waste if that's what he wants to do. He's got lots of it. Like if he wants to buy five Twitters, he would be fine. If he wanted to buy 20 Twitters, actually, you would be just fine and he would still be living a better life than us. It's because he's got abundant money. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that God has more grace than Elon Musk has money. Like he has more grace. You might say to yourself, well, Twitter was a waste of money. Well, quite as it's kept, some of us could be considered wastes of money too. But he still paid the price that we were worth. Like he still paid it. You say, oh gosh, you're always messing up, but he still paid my price. <laughs> That's a, you're sinking, you're throwing good money after bad. It's another way they say when you go into business and it doesn't work out and it's, oh, you're throwing good money after bad money to try to save that. He's abundantly wealthy with grace, so he's gonna save me regardless of what it costs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The scripture tells us, actually, Jesus gave a really fantastic parable. He says, no man builds a tower if you don't consider the cost first. You consider the cost, then you buy the, then you build the tower. Trust me when I say, he already considered the cost of saving the world, of saving you. He already figured it out. This is what it's gonna cost for Jonathan. <laughs> this is what it's gonna fix for Tanya. This is what me is gonna cost. And I'm going to absolutely pay it because I love them. He weighed them all up. You're not, a, you're, not, you're not somebody who came in on the bill at the last second. I'm not trying to figure out who this person is that's extra. No, I considered the cost when I considered the moment of saving you. He already figured this out. I put enough away for me. He put enough away for us. He made sure that it was sufficient to make the prize for us. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Still grateful for this peacemaking savior we have. Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. Goodness me, you're trying to figure out why we have peace with God? Told you we're not good enough. Told you we can't figure out the gap. Told you we couldn't because Jesus is making peace. <laughs> I remember when we were growing up, um, um, there, there was one particular sibling who always could get dad's ear. Like, regardless, like, I didn't think, it wasn't, definitely it wasn't me because I was always getting in trouble. <laughs> but one of my siblings, I won't name who, <laughs> could always get my dad's ear. As he'd, get, he'd be mad at her, he would be mad at me, he would be mad at everybody, but Sonia could always 
get his ear, and whatever she wanted, she would wrap him around his finger, or whatever she wanted, she would get, right? Because she asked. You know, had I have got the good sense to ask, I'd have had to say, I didn't realize. Until I, I was like, wow, I should, all I should have just would do was ask. <laughs> so she was always making peace, right? She was always the sibling making peace. I didn't realize I could have made peace, but I want you to imagine now that you have a sibling, somebody who says, I'm going to adopt you as brethren and make peace for you. Like, he's going to be that peacemaker. He's going to be the one who says, ah, you're not brave enough to go up to him, or you're not qualified to go up to him, or you don't feel confident coming up to him. I do. So I'm going to do the peacemaking for you. Let me go to a scripture here that backs that up. Um, um, uh, the epistle, the first epistle of John. First John, chapter 3. Let's just go there really quickly. First John chapter 3, verse 1. The peacemaking God is adopting you. This Jesus is adopting you as brothers and sisters. And he's saying, I'm going to make peace for you. Because you don't, you don't have the confidence, qualifications, the, 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 the opportunity to make peace for yourself. First John, the first epistle of John, he, he wrote three epistles. The first epistle of John, chapter 3, verse 1 says what? Behold, I want you to pay attention here. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What kind of, what is the nature of this love? Like, how, how am I supposed to describe the kind of love that God has for us? And he's taken about what? What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? The, Another way of saying this is the children of God. Now we know the Son of God who is, but he's inviting us to be sons or children of God with us. How, how in the world can I even say for a, a moment, considering who Christ is, that I am a child of God, right? But the simple fact is grace is inviting me the unmerited favor of God is inviting me to be a child of God. Amen? Let's keep going. Therefore, yes. the world knoweth us not, yes. because it knew him not. It doesn't recognize your sonship and your children because your children, because it didn't recognize him. Don't be surprised that they don't recognize you as children of God when they didn't recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Like you are not qualified. <laughs> to recognize anybody as a son if you didn't recognize him. Like if you still don't recognize he's the son of God, how in the world can you recognize me as a child of God? Yes, sir, yes, but keep reading. Verse two, beloved, now yes. are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it does not appear. It's, he's, he's inviting us into a, deep, a deeper relationship, yes, sir. amen, with, with God. Yes, sir, amen. We are invited to be not just servants, but children of God. Amen. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. And it says of Jesus in verse 2, if you could. By whom? By whom? Also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. <laughs> it's by Jesus. We're just talking about Jesus in verse 1. By whom? That same Jesus. We have access by, by what? By faith. <laughs> Not by works. 
Not by our abilities, but by faith, by believing. Into this grace. We have access into the grace, the favor of God, because we believe. I've been talking about grace, but now we have to, after we've talked about grace, we have to understand how to access grace. And what does Romans 5 say? It says we access grace by faith. By believing on Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's keep going. By whom also we have access faith, by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So now I'm, re I'm realizing that my hope is fueled by my faith. Yes. And my hope is fueled by the grace that I get because of faith. And it reveals the glory of God for me. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. <laughs> you know what hope and faith allows us to do? It allows us to, even though we're going through problems in this moment, faith and hope allows us to give thanks in this moment, even though we're going through problems, because we know that there's better to come. We know that there's something better to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not only so, but we glory in tribute, we glory in the tribulations of this day because of who God is. Let's keep reading. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work in patience. Love this scripture, keep going. And patience, experience. Yes. And experience, hope. Yes. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Love this. This is a message for another day. I can get into this one, but I want to get where I'm going. Verse 6. Yes, sir. Verse 6. 4. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Here's the thing. Most people um, who want to help usually want to help on their terms. And when they're helping on their terms, it means that they're not really extending themselves in the way that maybe they, you need them to. But it, give, it gives them a chance to feel better about themselves. So usually when you, what happens when it comes to relationships and when it comes to um, uh, relationships we have in our world, we usually wait for people to be on the good side of their life. We wait for people to have picked themselves up. Then we want to be friends with them. We rarely want to be friends with people when they are on the worst part of the, 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 their life. We, we want to make friends with them when there's less work to do. <laughs> we want to make friends with them when they've got their acts together. It's tough to be friends with somebody who hasn't got their life quite in order. But Jesus is taking the exact opposite approach. What does it say again in verse, um, verse 6? For when we were yet without strength. Jesus picked our side when we didn't have any strength at all. Like this is the, this is the worst strategy for picking a team to play sports. Like no one picks the worst like, I want the weakest player on my team. No, he's too good. I, no, no, you sit down. Let me take the smallest, let me take the slowest guy. Have him on my team. Thanks very much. Oh, you're way too tall. No, sit down. Thanks very much. I'll go to the shortest guy here, the person who never played before. But imagine if really you win that, with that kind of team. It shows how good you are and not how good they are. He's picked us, not to show how good we are. <laughs> like, if you pick all the best people for your team, and I pick the worst people for my team, people are gonna say, oh, he's good. That's what the Lord has done for us. <laughs> now you may be great, I'm not trying to take away from you, 
but I'm talking about the grace of God right now, so I'm talking about how good he is. <laughs> he picked me because he realized that I was the worst. <laughs> he picked me because he knew no one could mistake this as me fixing the problem. They would have to give him the glory. He picked the ones who it was obvious that they needed the most help. You ever wonder why Jesus, when he was in the crowds and in with the people, he was only with the lame, he was only with the people who couldn't help themselves, he was with the poor, he was with the disenfranchised, he was with those who were sick, he was those with the palsy, he was with those who had all kinds of ailments. Why? There was no glory going after the people who were rich. They thought they had fixed their own problems. They thought they'd got their own things together, but thanks be to God that he went to the bottom of the barrel for me. <laughs> Glory to God. The scripture says in verse six, when we were out of strength, in the right time, Christ died for me. I love this. I know why he was on the cross now. I know exactly why he was on the cross now. It wasn't for those who were okay. It was for the ones of us who didn't have any strength of ourselves. That's why I say, don't blame it on you, blame it on him. He's the one who did this by his grace. For when we without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ones who were, by definition of ungodly, didn't want anything to do with God. Like, this is why he's dying. This is the gap he's breaching, he's, 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 he's filling. He's filling the gap between me and God because I was ungodly. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse seven. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. A man, you would barely help a righteous person. You know, we don't want to be honest. Like I said, you, you, when you're picking teams for a, a sport, you really do want the best people on your side. Man, the whole draft is based on that. We have a whole draft and they say, who is the best? We have entire um, combines dedicated to figuring out who's the fastest, right? We have whole combines dedicated to figure out who can bench press the most, who can jump the absolute highest. And I only want to pick the top 10 of them. And, I, and after that, it's just slim pickings after that. You really focus on the very best. But God is saying, no, 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 I'm gonna focus on the very worst and bring them into my franchise. And I'm gonna make a team out of you, out of, of all the ones that everybody else couldn't help. They couldn't jump, they couldn't bench press, they couldn't run, but I'm gonna make them my brothers and sisters. I'm gonna make them the children of God. <laughs> And the scripture is actually saying, even verse 7, for scarcely, for a righteous man, man, you wouldn't barely die for somebody who was good. Like a good, decent human being, you wouldn't jump in front of a bullet for on a, on a good day. Like, I'd have to think this over strong. You're not related to me. I know you're good, but I don't know if I'm willing to take that on for myself. Keep going. We adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. You wouldn't do it for a good person, you wouldn't do it for a righteous person. 
But God, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us knowing what it would cost. I love this scripture because he knew what it would cost. He knew what we were. He knew what we were missing. He knew how, how, how flawed we are. He knew our problems. He knew our issues. But he still said, I'm going to die for you. He didn't wait for you to become the good. He didn't wait for you to become the righteous. He said exactly who you are today is who I'm dying for. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. There's all kinds of uh, clubs that require, you know, if you want to be in a particular bank, you have to bring a certain amount of money. If you want to be a part of a particular golf club, you may have to live in a particular area. You have to have these qualifications to get the perks of that particular club. Yeah. He, he said, no, no, no. You don't need any qualifications for this club. You don't need any qualifications for this family. The only thing you have to do is believe. I just need your faith. I just need you to know that it's true. I just need you to understand that I am here to save you. Oh gosh, I'm justified by it now. I've got all the benefits of it now. Not because I'm qualified, not because I'm fast or good, but because I believe. You can say what you want about me. You can say, okay, Mark, I'm not sure you're that honest. You may, may be correct. You can say, Mark, I'm not, sure, um, I'm not sure about your integrity. Okay, but don't question my belief. I, I believe on the Lord Jesus. I absolutely believe that by faith, he has made me whole. I believe that by faith, he has saved me. Ah, glory to God. But God commended his love towards us. He ordered his love towards us. He has pushed and directed his love towards us. <coughs> in, in that, while we were yet sinners, I know that there's this, um, uh, the, they say in, um, in most societies, they love a good redemption story. Like the idea of somebody who maybe falls down but then pulls themselves up. This isn't what he's saying. He's not looking for a good redemption story for you. He's looking to be the redemption story. Like the, the story of you've gone to great heights, you've fallen and you've re been rejuvenated and you've pu pulled yourself up. That's not what the Lord is asking you to do. He's asking you to believe so that he becomes the redemption story for you. Amen. Verse nine. Much more than yes. being now justified by his blood, yes. we shall be saved from wrath through him. So if he did all this while you were yet sinners, after he's paid this price for you, yes. something changes about the nature of your relationship. Because what Paul has been talking about up until this moment is you are a sinner estranged from him and he still died for you. Now when you realize he's died for you and the price has been applied for you, You've been paid for at a high price. Now if you've been paid for at a high price, you're no longer worthless, you are worth something. If you're worth something, how much is he willing to do to make sure that you stay worth something? <laughs> I often say about art, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure about the value of it, I'm not sure, but basically it's worth what it's worth 
because somebody's willing to pay for it. I've seen some art pieces that I have been, I've had trouble understanding why you think that's useful. Why do you think that's good? I don't know, it, but you hang it on your wall, you spend 300,000 for it, and that is, that's art. It's only worth it if somebody's willing to pay for it. Doesn't matter what it is, as long as somebody's willing to pay for it, that's what it's worth. So, you know, you can say, that's the worst painting on the planet. But if somebody's willing to pay for it, that's what it's worth. So, what is he saying? Therefore being justified, can you read us, sir? Now much more being justified by his blood, yes. we shall be saved from the wrath through him. So if he paid all this price yes, right, right. with his blood yes. for you, and in this story, you, you and I are the ugly painting. We are the terrible painting on the wall. Like, just to be very clear, we are the painting on the wall that no one should be paying for. But he decided it's worth his blood. You understand what I'm saying here? It doesn't matter what I think of you. He's willing to pay for you. It doesn't matter that I think you, uh, you're not worth the money. He thinks you're worth the money. So you're worth it. Now you say, well, why didn't he pick this person and that person? I can't speak to taste. I can't speak to taste why people love this art piece and they don't like that one. His choice. He's sovereign. He paid for you. You are justified because you believe and because he paid the price. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm coming down. I'm almost finished here. He goes further in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. For if yeah. when we were enemies. He goes further. He says, we weren't just, <laughs> you weren't just sinners. We were enemies. We were absolutely against each other. You were fighting on one side. I was fighting on the other side. <laughs> and the Christ decided that while we were yet enemies, there's something about you worth saving. That is really difficult to do to somebody you are in combat with, to somebody you are throwing fists at and they're throwing fists at you, to say, well, you know what? I think you're worth saving. Uh, wait a minute. We're still in the middle of the fight here. It is inconceivable that I would do that. But he does. Thank you, Jesus. For? For if, yeah. when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. He's, this world reconciled simply means that we were brought together with God. Jesus, while we were enemies, reconciled us to God. My relationship with the eternal Father was that of enemies. And Jesus said, I'm going to make this relationship good. I'm going to bind you together. Keep going. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Man, as soon as he's paid the price. So his son comes along. God in the flesh comes along and uses his death as a mechanism for reconciling you with the father. That's the price paid. That's how much we were willing to pay to reconcile and fix the relationship. And he's saying to you, if he paid this much for reconciliation, what do you think he's willing to do for maintenance? Like, what do you think he's willing to do to keep the relationship? He's paid this much to, to save the relationship. 
Now he's going to pay even more to keep the relationship. No one pays for, be- for a piece of artwork they love and then throws it in the garage. It doesn't happen like that. Now that I've paid for it, I'm going to find a good spot for it. That's what he's doing for you. The only difference between anybody else and us is that we believe. We believe that he died for us. We believe that it was his death and his blood that was shed for us. They would have access to the exact same problem, promise if they believed. My task as a preacher is to simply make people understand that the grace of God is for you and all you've got to do is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Hallelujah. Anyway. Thank you.